Hey everyone, it's Brian. Thank you for listening to another episode of Beyond Prisons. I'm proud to bring you an important conversation between Kim and Dr. Tony Montero, who is a leading authority on the scholarship and work of W.E.B. Du Bois. Um, Some of you may remember Dr. Montero from our second episode on Radical Scholars and Prison Abolition, and he's joining us again to tell us about his work around this year's commemoration of the 150th anniversary of Du Bois' birth, as well as the significance of Du Bois' work in our time. Um, I hope you all enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Uh, Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you're able, join us on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash beyondprisons to show your support for the show. Thank you all for listening. Welcome back to the show, Tony. So happy to have you here. Thank you very much, Kim. It's great to be back. And uh, today we're talking about the 150th anniversary of W.E.B. Du Bois's uh, birth. So uh, why don't we go ahead and dive right in and um, and and get started? Um, I know that you're working on a year-long project uh, about Du Bois. Uh, so would you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, uh, as you've mentioned, uh, this year. It's the 150th anniversary of Du Bois's birth. And for us here in Philadelphia, we could not allow this occasion to go uh, without being acknowledged and celebrated. And by celebration, we thought of celebrating for an entire year uh, of events, of symposia, panels, readings, uh, cultural events, uh, and such. Uh, And um, the centerpiece of all of this activity is a project called Philadelphia Reads W.E.B. Du Bois, which is a year-long project uh, where Du Bois will be read in churches, libraries, union halls, museums, Uh, and other places throughout the city of Philadelphia, including, I should mention, universities and uh, seminaries. Uh, And um, each site will read uh, a different uh, book by Du Bois. Uh, And, for example, at Mother Bethel AME Church, which is spoken about and analyzed in the Philadelphia Negro, Uh, they will read the Philadelphia Negro there. At uh, St. Thomas's African Episcopal Church, uh, another uh, church mentioned and and talked about in the Philadelphia Negro, they also will read the Philadelphia Negro. At other places like the Church of the Advocate, they will be reading uh, Du Bois's World in Africa. At the Christian Association, uh, they will be reading The Dark princess, a novel. And so throughout the city, different uh, works will be read. And a part of this uh, will be uh, weekly readings from the texts of various of Du Bois's uh, uh, books and and essays uh, live on the radio. And uh, we will analyze them as well as discuss them. Uh, So 
this will be almost a complete immersion of Philadelphia in W.E.B. Du Bois on this 150th anniversary. And let me also mention that the City Council of Philadelphia uh, unanimously passed a resolution declaring 2018 the year of Du Bois and encouraging Philadelphians to study and read Du Bois. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's uh, it sounds amazing. And uh, it just goes to show um, the impact uh, and the relevance of Du Bois uh, on today. Um, and this is one of the things, this is where I kind of want to guide the conversation uh, because I think that, you know, when people think that or hear that it's the 150th anniversary of his birth, um, and, you know, that sounds like a very long time away, right? Like it was mm-hmm. so long ago. Um, but when you read the Philadelphia Negro um, or you read the souls of black folk and you read it in our, you know, uh, current context, um, there's so much there that relates to the problems that are happening today. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about, you know, Du Bois's connection um, to uh the study and analysis of contemporary problems, um, whether you know we're talking about in his time, but how we might think about applying his uh, methodology to understanding and solving those problems today, and why the focus. And this is a multi-part question. I know you love these, um, <laughs> and why the solving of those problems is really one of the keys to. Um, that distinguishes Du Bois from other uh, social scientists? Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's a very good question, although it is, it does have many parts to it. But I'd like to start with the final part of it, and that is the question of solutions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that's what uh, people, the masses of people, the working people are looking for, solutions. Uh, now, Academics are generally more interested in discourse and discussion, but uh, ordinary people, the layman, uh, is interested in ideas to the extent that they can yield solutions to the very many and very complex problems that they are facing. And that is why Du Bois is so important and so relevant in the 21st century. In some ways, one could even argue more than in the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, like in the Philadelphia Negro, uh, which is published in 1899, the research of it he did between 1896 and 1898, uh, he, while analyzing the problems and creating methodologies uh, for studying uh, the problems of racism and discrimination, Uh, he gave us ways of doing research, tools and methods of research that could assist us in further analyzing and coming up with solutions to these very difficult urban problems that we're all very aware of. 
including um, problems of poverty, problems of segregation and discrimination, problems of crime, uh, and so on. Uh, this would be the case uh, also uh, with the souls of black folk. I mean, he moves, you know, from uh, sociology, if you will, in the uh, Philadelphia Negro to philosophy. And here I think he makes a profound contribution in his understanding of knowledge and how knowledge is situated uh, in certain ways uh, connected to class and race and gender and oppression. Uh, I, I, think, I think that philosophical move, which we could call phenomenological, uh, sometimes existential, is a great assistance to our understanding the worlds within which we live, and especially for our understanding of the black lived world. So, you know, uh, I'm just amazed. I mean, in preparing for this year of Du Bois, you know, I and my colleagues who are at the center of organizing this year uh, are just constantly amazed at how relevant Du Bois is uh, to the social crises confronting the United States and other advanced capitalist countries at this time. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's exciting, it's exciting. And it's exciting to take our understanding of Du Bois to a broader audience, to a broader community of people. So yeah, that's the way I would look at that. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And one of the things that um, struck me about Du Bois, uh, and this goes back to, you know, my own graduate work here, um, but a phrase that you use when uh, you're describing, you know, his work is that you say that he provided us with the emancipatory tools that we needed, you know, to basically liberate ourselves. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you mean specifically about, um, you know, those tools? Yeah, this, this is very important. And here is where Du Bois um, makes what I would call an epistemic break uh, with European uh, philosophical traditions. And by that, I mean the modern European traditions of Kant and Hegel, the Germans, and, and of course, the French thinkers, British political economy, and even uh, Marxian um, uh, social science is uh, his move to see knowledge and truth and social science as instruments of emancipation of the racially oppressed, the colonially oppressed, uh, and in so freeing them to free humanity. Now, a lot of people say, well, what about the working class? Well, when Du Bois talked about the racially and colonially oppressed. He began, and this is from the time of his PhD dissertation, with the working class of the oppressed. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so he sees emancipation in ways that, and liberation, in ways that European thinkers 
could not and did not. And I think this is a profound contribution, and I think that is last a lasting contribution even up to this very moment because you do not find in Western academic uh, uh, context discussions of the emancipation of the racially oppressed or the emancipation of of the darker races or the emancipation of humanity. It's just not there. Now, they will talk about the liberation of the individual, mm-hmm. but not of humanity. And, uh, and I think it is a kind of a, a, a degradation of Western thought that it does not have at its core a project of democracy and liberation uh, of the racially and colonially oppressed. And mm-hmm. so I think Du Bois puts that on the table, center stage. And now, of course, uh, Western academic thinkers uh, of the late 20th and now 21st century uh, are quite uncomfortable with Du Bois. Mm-hmm. Uh, they find him in some ways, although they seldom admit it, they find him a bit distasteful, um, a bit um, uh, uncouth, if you will. Uh, and, And that is because, I think, he goes to the core of emancipation, and he sees it as humanity emancipating itself. And as he once said, uh, the principle of truth is a very important principle, but there's a principle above the truth, higher than the truth, and that is the principle of humanity, which the truth serves. Mm. Wow. Um, There's just so much in in what you just said that, um, you know, we could go back uh, over, but I want to kind of build on what what you just shared and talk a little bit about... um, it, du Bois's uh, need or what he describes in as, you know, or what we can think of as part of his uh, methodological approach, um, mm-hmm. this need to include uh, a historic perspective, right? That without yeah, history, yeah. we can't actually understand the current conditions, uh, whether they be social, political, economic, what have you, um, that are happening in, you know, in, in our world. So, you know, can you talk a little bit about why this is such a significant, um, you know, thing for Du Bois, this need for, uh, to include history and to historicize? Yes. You know, it's very interesting that you draw attention to his historical methodology. Uh, and it, he is, he is always, you know, remember in the uh, Philadelphia Negro, uh, when he talks about uh, anything, the black church, for example, uh, the first uh, subsections of that chapter are the histories of the black church in Philadelphia. Or when mm-hmm. he talks about, in the beginning, the Philadelphia Negro, it is a history of Negroes in Philadelphia. So he's very much committed to a historical understanding. And we can't forget that he did his PhD at Harvard in history, uh, Mm -hmm. the history of the transatlantic slave trade. But, you know, he also said that uh, 
he wanted to unite or merge history with philosophy to produce sociology. Mm. Those are literally his words. And I take that to mean um, that sociology without a theoretical framework and without a historical grounding uh, would be impossible, at least as he practiced it. Now, mm. everybody would not practice sociology like he did. I think to the uh, detriment of sociology and social science. You know, I think you're a social scientist and you know that mm -hmm. questions, attempt to, to, to discuss questions without any historical framing of the issues, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, in most of our work, you know, we try to do research without having sophisticated theoretical uh, mm -hmm. and categorical uh, 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 context. So I think Du Bois tried to address both of those. I think in many ways he was successful. Uh, but at the same time, you know, uh, du Bois's uh, philosophical work uh, kind of emerging in 1903 in The Souls of Black Folk emerges at the same time that a European phenomenological project begins and is identified with the name of Edmund Husserl. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think Du Bois knew Husserl, and I'm pretty certain Husserl never heard of or was very much concerned with a black thinker like uh, Du Bois. But nonetheless, these were two contemporary phenomenological approaches. In uh, uh, Husserl's phenomenology, he makes it clear and beyond clear that he does not want history to, as he would suggest, obscure his understanding of subjectivity and intersubjectivity. On the other side, you have Du Boisian phenomenology. And Du Bois's phenomenology is always historical. Mm -hmm. It is, you know, in the souls of black folk. I mean, he talks about of our spiritual striving, of our historical uh, struggle to achieve complete humanity, as he says, complete manhood and womanhood. Mm -hmm. But it's always framed in historical terms. So, I mean, you know, in so many ways, we find Du Bois challenging what is uh, the European approach uh, to social explanation, to philosophical questions, uh, and, and to theory. If I could just make one other point, because you mentioned science, mm -hmm. um, you know, when you look at Du Bois's work and uh, what he does in terms of science, and we compare it to probably the best example of rigorous social science in modern European uh, uh, context, uh, you know, Karl Marx's work. You have these two approaches to science, and they are different. They're different on many levels. And, and for example, Karl Marx wanted socialism to be scientific, and he talked about scientific socialism. Mm -hmm. But he was addressing an intellectual European audience 
who was familiar, who were familiar with um, Darwin, Newton, uh, and much of European science. So if Marx were to be uh, accepted as a scientist on the basis of what European natural and physical sciences had achieved, he would have to do science in pretty much a positivist manner. He would have to prove to people who were schooled in modern European science that his work was also scientific. Mm -hmm. So it had a heavily structural, uh, highly architected uh, 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 framing or, or construction. Mm -hmm. Now, when you get to Du Bois, what Du Bois is able to do is what Marx could not do, and that is to bring the human into it. Marx talked about the working class, but in his work, there is very little direct interviewing of, studying of uh, the working class in its life world. Mm -hmm. What Du Bois does is to study the working class intimately. He lived among them. He talked with them. He uh, not only uh, used uh, government statistics and other statistics, but he himself went among the working people, lived among them, talked to them. And this is something he would do all of his life. You know, and so he captures the human condition in ways that Marx did not. Uh, the other, and, and he did it scientifically. It's a different mm -hmm. kind of science. And I, I'll just end on this. The attempt to do what Du Bois did in European philosophy and Marxism was done maybe 60 years after the souls of black folk and that was with jean-paul sartre uh, mm -hmm. the critique of dialectical reason where he said he wanted to merge existentialism and historical materialism or another way existentialism and marxism to try to capture what du bois had done in 1903 and continued to do throughout his life Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Well, I want to, um, and, and this is going to take us a little bit in a different direction, but uh, hopefully it sort of dovetails nicely uh, from the comments that you just made. Um, you ta talked about, you know, the Du Bois's focus on uh, class conflict. Right. And uh, I want to spend some time talking more about that because he was not just, you know, studying and living uh, among the working class, but he was studying and living among the black worker, right? In the Absolutely. black class. Yeah. And I mm -hmm. think that this is, a, you know, a distinguishing um, characteristic uh, between, you know, the kind of work that Du Bois was doing and interested in doing and saw as necessary uh, to this, you know, larger project of, you know, emancipating humanity uh, than European thinkers. Because for European thinkers and for many American Eurocentric thinkers, 
uh, at the mm-hmm. time, um, the they weren't concerned with studying, you know, black people, right? And mm-hmm. if they were, it was um, under, you know, uh, rather dubious circumstances. We'll we'll put it that mm-hmm. way. But I want to go back mm-hmm. to this, uh, you know, um, it, this notion of class conflict because mm-hmm. uh, Du Bois does address this, and more specifically, he talks about this in Black Reconstruction. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, chapter one of Black Reconstruction, the Black worker um, is, right. you know, uh, I think a really significant and important chapter um, for mm-hmm. folks to read, but part of, you know, what you were getting at. Um, so can you give us a brief, you know, synopsis of what Du Bois meant by, you know, the Black worker? Mm-hmm. Well, let me start with the, the concept of the class struggle. Because Absolutely. Du Bois does not reject the, the concept of class struggle or its reality. But I think he says, unlike Marx and the socialists of Europe, that class struggle is mediated through race. That for Marx and the socialists of Europe, class struggle was unmediated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if it is, if race mediates, if you will, class conflict and class identity and class consciousness, the issue is then what, uh, what becomes and how does the working class look under these conditions? And for Du Bois, he saw race as segmenting and separating the working class. Mm-hmm. And therefore, he discovers, and this is a discovery, and it is, uh, he makes the, uh, the statement of it in, in Black Reconstruction, the first chapter, he discovers the Black worker mm-hmm. as a historical uh, agent of social transformation. The Marxists and socialists in Europe and in the United States had no conceptual means of seeing the black worker. Not only could they not see the black worker, they saw the black worker as an enemy of the working class by which they meant white workers. Mm-hmm. Du Bois saw something completely different. And I think it is a brilliant discovery in social and historical science, not to mention uh, concepts of the class struggle. So the class struggle will proceed in and through the racial divisions of society and of the working class itself. Mhm. Mhm. So I went back and um you know skimmed through that uh chapter as I was preparing for uh our conversation today. And uh one of the things that you know stood out for me is uh you know Du Bois's discussion of uh the special police force that was developed under slavery. Oh, uh and oh, I yeah. think that you know this is um I mean we're an abolitionist uh podcast and and we're interested in issues of you know carcerality and uh prisons uh mm-hmm. and 
including the police under that as well. And I think that, you know, this is so often overlooked um, or a point that, you know, kind of gets lost in many of the other things. Um, I mean, I see it clearly in, you know, throughout Du Bois's writings, but then again, I, you know, I, I've read um, at, under your guidance, uh, a lot of Du Bois. So um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, what uh, he was addressing regarding the special police force and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll leave the question there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so interesting that once Du Bois had this understanding of the overarching significance of race, not race just as a, uh, a social identity, but race as a historically constituted feature of modernity. Once he comes to terms with that, he could, he could then see things in the social reality that other social scientists could not see. Hence, the role of the white poor in policing the enslaved African. And, you know, he, he, he makes this point strongly in Black Reconstruction that in the South there were four million slaves, but then there were five million white people. And every white person saw himself or herself in one or another way as a policeman, a snitch, uh, or whatever, of black people. But then out of this white population, out of the white poor and the white working class, this special uh, agency of the white uh, policeman, the white um, overseer, the white slave hunter. And uh, this institution, uh, exists up to this day, of course, in a different form, mm -hmm. because we know that there are two kinds of policing. There's the policing of white people, and then there's the policing of black people. Mm -hmm. And the policing of black people tends to be of the form of an occupying army of black communities. And uh, of white people, it's a, so, a completely different thing. So I think Du Bois had it absolutely right. And I think a lot of criminology would benefit from a reconsideration of Du Bois's idea of this special group of men that emerge out of the white poor and who thereby benefit uh, from the enslavement and racial oppression of the black working class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I have another question here. And uh, I think I, I will have a, a number of different thoughts, but I'm, I'm just going to, uh, you know, ask the question because it was uh, looking over the website uh, that you've set up for uh, this project. And uh, you touched on this idea of um, the, uh, the wage of whiteness. Right, which uh, Du Bois describes as, you know, the um, 
the psychological benefits, you know, flowing mm-hmm. to white people uh, from white identity. And I want you to, um, if you can, you know, briefly, Tony, no, I'm kidding. Um, you can take no, some- I will be brief. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about the, the connection between um, this, uh, this psychological wage and uh, the notion of, you know, democracy. Well, that's, I didn't expect it to come like that. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but that's Ken Wilson, you know. <laughs> and I have, to expect, I have to expect questions of that type from Ken Wilson. But, you know, whiteness is a kind of a fetish mm-hmm. for white people. And, you know, fetishes, uh, uh, exist as a uh, alternative uh, to the reality. So a fetish, uh, all uh, natural and social powers in the world are displaced to a fetish. So mm-hmm. rather than look at the world, you look at the fetish. Rather than change the world, you look to a fetish. Uh, and that's what, that's the role and function of white of whiteness for white people. It is a fetish. It obscures reality. It obscures class relationships. And you know this idea of a fetish as a psychological predisposition uh, to whiteness. And and you know it's very very difficult for white people to overcome this fetish of whiteness. I mean not only do they identify as white, which is an invention, a, uh, a construction, but they want to be white. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's an interesting part of desire. And, you know, Du Bois kind of, kind of talks about this too. The desire to want to be white, the desire to identify with all things white, the desire to see uh, all uh, things of value as white. And and in that sense, a wage for whiteness, a psychological benefit for being white is a couple of things. One, it uh, connects you to a larger body of white people, including the white capitalist class, which has power. So in spite of the fact that you might be poor, but you are white means that you are connected uh, symbolically to white power. And Mm -hmm. the other thing is that it says to white people that no matter how bad it gets economically and socially for you, your future and your present is tied up with this thing we call whiteness. And I I can still therefore have hope that things will get better for me because I am white. And if opportunity in the face of crisis ever comes about, my whiteness will put me at the head of the line. Mm-hmm. So that's the way I would, I would put it. I mean, it's, it's a real problem that at a certain point um, uh, resolves itself into a pathology. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mhm mhm. So um 
you mentioned earlier that, you know, there are different groups around the city of Philadelphia that are reading Du Bois's works um, over mm -hmm. this year and that you'll be reading uh, some of Du Bois's works on radio. Um, and I was wondering for folks who and, might- And I really hope in some prisons too. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and for folks who are, you know, listening uh, to the podcast, what would you recommend as, um, you know, what's an entry point for Du Bois? I don't know that there is an entry point. It's, I think with Du Bois, it depends on what problems and issues uh, you want to look at. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you want to look phenomenologically, I think the souls of black folk. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to look at sociology, uh, the Philadelphia Negro. If you want to look at history, uh, black reconstruction. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to look at his views on um, the role of Africa in world history and in present world history, uh, the world in Africa. Uh, and then the question of Pan-Africa and Pan-Asia as a living um, project of struggle, I would say the novel um, Dark Princess, uh, published in 1928. So I think a lot depends on what issues and problems you want to address and look at. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're interested in feminism and the way he looks at women, you you could even call it Africana feminism, the uh, influential essay, The Damnation of Women. So I think there are many, many ways uh, to get into Du Bois. And then you can start from one place and then go somewhere else and end up somewhere completely different in his work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Um on uh, the website, which is uh, yearofdubois.org, uh, you've outlined, you know, uh, two sort of, uh, not tracks, but two, um, uh, two elements to the work that you're doing over this year, the practice and the philosophy. And uh, right. under the philosophy, one of the things that uh, is mentioned is that, you know, in Du Bois's writings, he combines poetics with the methods of social science and empirical research. Mm -hmm. And I think that mm -hmm. this is such an important part of, you know, not just reading Du Bois, but really getting Du Bois. Um, yeah. When I used to teach uh, the souls of black folk, you know, my students would be like, well, why is there, you know, why, why is there music included in each chapter, yeah, you know, yeah. things, mm -hmm. uh, there and, you know, why does he use this kind of language? And I think that that's such, you know, one of the things that I really deeply appreciated um, and it's still appreciate about Du Bois's work, but, you know, um, I'll say appreciated in the sense that when I first read Du Bois, um, to really get what he was saying, um, I yeah. had to understand that. So can you talk just a little bit about, you know, this, um, his, why he does this, why he combines poetics and, and social science? Well, the big thing is because everything in the human, and he's trying to understand humanity, cannot be reduced to uh, quantitative or uh, uh, statistical 
or other types of variables. I mean, there is that immeasurable, that, that, that part that cannot be measured, that can only be captured in poetic terms. Um, this is why the concept of the souls of black folk, uh, which is, means many things, of course, the mind, the essence um, uh, of black folk, the aspirations of black folk, that, that, that can all be included under the word souls. But to fully capture the totality of a human group, you need more than what a social science conventionally uses. And therefore you need the poetic, you need the literary uh, to capture that immeasurable, that unquantifiable. And the other thing is that Du Bois thus turns to uh, two literary devices that he really masters, uh, irony and metaphor. Uh, he writes uh, often allegorically, mm -hmm. by which I mean an extended metaphor. Uh, you know, we often talk about uh, Plato's allegory of the cave, but in, in Du Bois, there are many allegories. Uh, and uh, uh, the allegory of our spiritual striving, the mm -hmm. allegory of the dark princess, uh, and others. But then he is a master of irony, um, of the ambiguity of the human situation, of the uh, uh, multi-directional, conflictual direction of human strivings, of human struggle. Uh, so I, I think I think he does that. He turns to that very intentionally and very consciously because there's more that he wants to know, more that he wants to capture, more that he wants to demonstrate. And I think he does that, that literary work within the framework of scientific explanation and scientific understanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um... Well, thank you for that. Um, and uh, we're up on time, but I just want to, you know, briefly mention uh, and kind of, you know, let people know that are listening that uh, we're going to have you back to talk about um, the souls of Black folk um, more in depth, um, but specifically uh, the life world of uh, the spiritual life world of prisoners uh, and how yeah. the souls black folk um was really uh instrumental in um in 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 prisoners uh spiritual world i'm not sure that came out the way i wanted it to but yes, hopefully it, yes it did yes it did okay. it's very um, very clear yeah mm -hmm. so we're going to we're going to have you back uh because we're doing i guess a mini series on du bois uh here at beyond prisons and you know i think that that's going to be um, not just an important conversation, but it's going to be a fascinating conversation uh, because we're going to look at, you know, the impact of Du Bois on people like uh, George Jackson and Angela Davis, as well as on uh, Mumia Abu-Jamal. And, um, you know, there are many prisoners around the country and around the world who continue 
uh, to read Du Bois's work uh, and to use him uh, not just as a touchstone, but really as a guide um, for you know understanding and um, and and learning and finding ways to fight uh, this oppressive system. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm definitely looking forward to that next conversation with you. Um, is there anything else you uh, want to share about the work that you're doing uh, this year? Is there um, anything coming up soon that you know folks can uh, attend or tune into? Well, yes, uh, uh, we're launching this year of Du Bois on the weekend of his birthday, February 23rd and 24th. On February 23rd, starting at 6 p.m., we're going to have a panel symposium on the work Black Reconstruction in America, and we're going to show a film in that uh, panel symposium entitled Finally Got the News, which is a film about the League of Revolutionary Black Workers that were in Detroit, Michigan, and in the auto industry uh, at uh, in the 1970s. And then on the 24th, we're going to have a symposium on two of Du Bois's works, uh, The World in Africa, and his uh, novel called The Dark Princess, which is a uh, political uh, novel uh, dealing with the question of the unity of Pan-Africa and Pan-Asia. And then starting at three o'clock on the 24th, we will begin a large cultural celebration, celebrating the unity of humanity through the unity of Pan-Africa and Pan-Asia. And that will all be at the Church of the Advocate in Philadelphia at 1801 Diamond Street. Fantastic. And tell people where they can uh, tune in and listen to you um, read Du Bois's works uh, this year. Oh, yes. Every Wednesday from 9 to 10 a.m., you can hear us uh, read from various works of Du Bois on WURD. And that's you can get that online. You can get it on your phone. And uh, that is from 9 to 10 for the entire year uh, on Wednesdays. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Tony. I really appreciate your time and happy birthday to Du Bois. Oh, yes. Thank you so much, Kim. It's always an immense pleasure to talk with you. And again, happy birthday to Du Bois. (laughs) Take care, Tony. Talk soon. Bye-bye.